This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. If you're a business leader needing to get away from the daily grind and receive fresh vision, make sure to visit them online, www.kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. Welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as Martha and I broadcast you from San Antonio, Texas at the world headquarters. In fact, the intergalactic headquarters for the C12 Group. We've got C12 Group CEO Mike Shero in the studio with us today to introduce our first guest. But before we get to Mike Shero and our guest for today, really just want to ask you to engage with us online. That's right, Jim. So, you know, I just want to encourage people that if they are wondering what's happening from week to week on the radio show or through the podcast, that they can, if they follow us on Facebook, um, our guy, Michael, give a shout out. He does a great job on Sunday nights of posting what's going to be on the on the air live for that week. And so if you're just kind of curious of how the week's going to set up, that's just one thing that people can look for. Follow us and uh then also get the posts after the shows have been um, posted out there so that they can click on them right there with the pictures and a little bit of information. So Facebook, I work for him. That's right. Okay. Higher education in this country. It's a mess. Maybe not a mess the way you're thinking, but you know, it's more, it's sometimes it seems like in the news that it's more about propaganda than education. So why should we as Christ followers get involved in higher education? Because it's in desperate need of Jesus followers to bring honesty, integrity, and basic kingdom principles back where they originally existed. It's why higher education was developed in the first place. So if you feel called to higher education, don't hesitate. Get involved. We serve one who is almighty, even in institutions of higher learning. Today, we're going to broadcast to you, again, from the world headquarters of C12 Group. And Mike Sherrill, I said, Mike, when we're in San Antonio, bring some people to the table that we can interview that are really trying to live out their faith in the work, who really understand building up the kingdom. And Mike Sherrill, you have done a great job this week. We really appreciate you guys in C12. It's always fun to partner with you. Why don't you introduce our guest for today? So Brent, this is why you should have, uh, mind your P's and Q's the last few weeks, because I get to say whatever <laughs> I want about you. <laughs> it's going live. So uh, Brent's uh, a brother in Christ, a friend, a man I respect. Uh, we've shared a C12 table for years uh, in the past, and he's the lead, second generation leader of a neat institution called Hallmark University. The reason I wanted Brent on this show is I'm hoping there's so many angles on this guy in this story. There's a neat story about his own journey into why would you take it, why would you join the family business? You know, that was not the logical path. So why are you leading this in the next generation? There's the how is the gospel, and I'm just going to see the word, how is love transforming an institution? And then as we look, here's a guy who lives and breathes millennials. So if you want to talk about the next generation and all those things, that's his world. Mm -hmm. And an institution that's trying to solve the problem of, today it seems like you can spend $300,000 to get a degree and still be making nine bucks an hour afterwards. And there's a disconnect or employers going, I'm not sure what it means when I get a a kid with a degree, what does that degree even mean? And this institution's actually tackled that question of how do you create a product when, in this case, that's students who make great employees that lead change. I think there's a story there to be shared that not very many institutions are doing. And you'll, if you're in this area of Texas, you'll see billboards and ads around being the change. This is this university that's actually trying to be a catalyst for something. And so all those things, plus just his own faith journey of how do you lead change and how do you do this for Jesus, and um, he's in some interesting spaces. So Brent, I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, I love the work you've been doing, are doing, and I hope that today's story um, tips dominoes 
for someone listening in Rhode Island or Orange County or who knows where. So Brent Fessler. Brent Fessler, thank you. And being, thanks for being on iWork for him today. It's glad to be here. This is fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Mike Sherrill, I know you have to head off, but I want to thank you for just just arranging all the interviews you've done for us this week. We really appreciate our partnership with C12 Group. Oh, my pleasure. Love the work you guys are doing. All right. Thanks, Mike. So, Brent, we always ask this question of every first-time guest on I Work For Him. How did you become a Jesus follower? Well, I was um, I'm, I'm one of those who was born into a family that, that loved God. And, and so I, I can't uh, look back to a certain time when, when I transitioned from not believing to believing. Um, it, was, it was just a, a family that I was born into, and, and my kids were the same way. Um, my grandparents were missionaries down in Latin America, and this is a little bit of uh, uh, the backstory. Um, they, they really were answering the call as a, as a first generation uh, living life for God. And my, my dad, growing up in that, um, the, the paradigm that they understood was if you uh, really lived and loved God and wanted to live for him, the only way to live that out was to be a missionary. Sure. And so a lot of us got that same message. Yeah. You'd be in the full time ministry. And so he was going down that road and he was going to be a missionary pilot. And so he had his, his pilot's license and his, uh, we'll call AMP airframe and power plant license. That's the, uh, the, the maintenance side. Cause you don't want to go fly in, in some third world country and not be able to fix what you're right. Flying. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so he had that, he was working American airlines and, uh, really just building up experience. Had I just gotten married and, um, this was in 1968 or so, and uh, my mom's old boss, who was a lawyer, they had a, a regional airline here. This was back when Southwest Airlines and, and Tejas and a lot of the, the puddle jumpers here in, in Texas for the oil industry were, were really growing, and they had a flight school, and they wanted to start a maintenance school. They knew Dad was a pretty smart guy, and so they asked him to come down and start this school, this aviation maintenance school. So he came down, did that. Thank God he took really good notes uh, because he built that school from scratch. And um, uh, that was Hallmark Aerotech, 1969. Uh, we just started our 50th year. Wow. And and so my that's kind of my personal journey. Dad thought he was just going to take a little detour and then join the rest of his family in the mission field. And the, the way he puts it is his mission field really just uh, shifted. Mm-hmm. And, and this institution, um, ed- the education industry, uh, became his, his mission field. That's a great story. I love that. So your dad started Hallmark Aerotech. How did, how did you, I mean, a lot of times when kids grow up and, well, this is, this, is the dad's, this is dad's business, how did God move you to realize, wow, okay, uh, academia is also where he's calling Brent Fessler? <laughs> Now, that's a journey uh, because growing up around the dinner table, you know, uh, my, my mom was a part of it. My dad was a part of it. And, and so the things that you usually talk about are the things that are broken, right? So when you're, when you're talking <laughs> with uh, the founders of an organization, they're talking about all the stuff that's broken. And right. so that's really the only perspective that I had growing up. And that made me think, I don't want anything to do with this organization. And I, I went down uh, a great path, became an engineer. And, and so I was uh, happily building signal intelligence systems and uh, direction finding geolocation, uh, doing good work. Uh, it was satisfying work for me. Uh, wasn't really affecting the kingdom, um, but I, um, the, the, my, my kingdom part at the time was a little bit uh, dualistic. So 
I grew up where my grandfather led worship and he was accountant. And so that was the path that I went down as well. So I, I led worship at, at church while I was an engineer, but it was kind of two different worlds for me, you know, plenty of integrity and things, but it wasn't really making a kingdom impact as an engineer. Um, did a little project management work for Hallmark, uh, and, uh, just, there was a, an opportunity, there was a need. So I came in and did that. And as I actually got close to it, something just resonated with me and getting around the students, getting around the institution and getting a more complete picture. It was, uh, one of those things that, um, God clearly pulled me into education and, and higher ed specifically. It was just, you know, I'm as a musician, you know, when you, uh, uh, instruments are all about resonance. Sure. They're, they're built the wood, the, the strings, how things are tensioned. They're all built to resonate at certain frequencies. And when I got around uh, education, something that evidently was built in me just resonated with that. And so I, I started to transition out of engineering into education and uh, a whole, whole new part of my life was born. Hmm. Talk to us really quick about Hallmark University. It started off as an aerotechnical school. Love that. Where is it today? Still doing aerotechnical stuff? We are. Uh, we're the uh, largest in Texas doing uh, aviation maintenance and one of the top five, six, seven in, in the country. And so it's still a big part of what we do. That's that's a neat, neat, neat space. Um, the the uh, industry worldwide needs over 700,000 new technicians over the next 20 years. So it's an important place to be. Wow. Um, as we did that, though, we grew naturally into uh, other high-growth, high-demand areas. Uh, electronics at first. There's a lot of electronics manufacturing that was here in San Antonio at the time. And so we went down that road. Uh, but that turned into... Um, computers and networking and so on. So that's how we started. So we're speaking today with Brent Fessler. And Brent, you're the president of Hallmark University. And we're really just getting to know what Hallmark University is all about. And thanks for sharing a little bit of that backstory. So tell our listeners um, what the fields of study are that you guys really focus in on then now. Sure. Yeah. We're not a liberal arts university. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we believe in the liberal arts uh, very, very, very much, but it's just not our mission. Right. And so we're only in high growth, high demand uh, industries. And because that's what our students are coming to us for uh, is is for a great career. So we're in aerospace where we started. We're in IT and cybersecurity. We're in healthcare, nursing, and business. So really those uh, four areas. And we take students uh, really from an associate's degree all the way through master's degrees in in each of those areas so that we can uh, come alongside students for, you know, not just once, but take them all the way through their career. And when you graduate a student, how are they doing finding jobs? (laughs) They're, they're doing great. It's actually part of our mission. And so we don't, we don't believe mission accomplished when they walk the stage. It's when they get into their career. So this past year, uh, we just put our annual report in Uh, 93% of our graduates were placed in their field uh, of study. And uh, the remaining 7% either just didn't tell us about it or just didn't want to work. So, you know, sometimes you get through school and you just don't want to go work. Right. Uh, so 93% of our grads were placed in, in their field of study last year. Wow. That's fabulous. So for our listeners, check them out online, hallmarkuniversity.edu, and see what the options are. And San Antonio is a beautiful place to be. And 
um, they can check out. I'm sure there's pictures on there of the of the location and everything, so that people can get to know if this is something that they would be intrigued in. Best Mexican food on the planet, right here in San Antonio. Oh, I can attest to that. That's for sure. So, tell us how you then, um, Brent, have learned over the years to connect your faith and your work. You you saw the missionary model in your own home, sure. and then you saw your dad make some changes in his life. How did that affect you and how did you make that connection? Yeah. Uh, dad tells a story uh, when they, when they were missionaries down in Mexico and they, it was, it was kind of a philosophy that they stumbled on. Uh, the, the outreach was generally towards the, the underserved and the underprivileged. And so they were really focused on, on meeting the, the poor and, and the downtrodden and just happened. I don't remember the details, but happened to get a, a factory uh, owner saved. And and when that person went through a life change, he brought the gospel to his entire company. There was hundreds of people working there. And a light bulb went off that, yes, we are to, supposed to reach the, the, the downtrodden. But there's something interesting that happens when you reach a leader, a business, especially a business leader mm-hmm. with the gospel. The amount of influence that they have is, is leveraged far beyond um, and it doesn't make them any more important. It's just a uh, an interesting uh, approach that when you get a leader uh, turned on to the gospel and, and operating in the kingdom, they have a, a lot more influence than just a, a single individual who, who may be working at a company or, or not working. So you saw that in your own life then through that example and saw that for yourself? Yeah. It, you know, I think there's, there's a... a a, a model, a framework out there called the seven mountains or the seven fle- spheres of influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Bright and Johnny Enlow, a number of people have, have helped uh, kind of spread that, that approach, which uh, basically that framework says there's uh, seven spheres or seven mountains that shape a culture. It's, it's media, it's, it's finance, it's business, it's education, it's family, it's church. And I probably didn't get seven there. I missed one in there. Government. Uh, government. There yes. we go. Thank you. Yes. All right. You're were, you were checking the list off. But the, <laughs> you know, the, the one, though, that influences all of them is education. E- everybody in all those seven go through education at some mm. point in their life. Okay. And so as educators, we have an opportunity to touch all of the spheres of influence mm-hmm. in government, in business, in media, in entertainment. And so recognizing that, and, and it's something that C12 has really helped uh, shape and, and really uh, formulate and, and make in a concrete way, um, is that we have a, an opportunity and a responsibility in, in how we shape our students, because when they leave us, they're now going to go and transform and shape the industries where they go and serve. Yes. Oh, that's great. Yep. All right, so you know we're I work for him. It's a, it's a show about people connecting their faith and their work. Yet higher education isn't known in today's you know institutions of higher learning aren't known for embracing Christianity these days. Uh, in fact, you find a lot of people get chased out of those institutions of higher learning because of their faith. First of all, let me just one question. Is there a place for Jesus followers in the institutions of higher learning? <laughs> Absolutely, there is. Um, there, there, there absolutely is, and and so we're not a, a traditional university. The um, we, we have an advantage, I, I think, for us, and that we're focused on some of the things that I think people are frustrated in higher ed. Uh, so besides just the gospel not being there, there's a lot of things about higher ed that are frustrating. How expensive degrees are, 
um, how irrelevant a lot of the degrees are. You know, there, there's not a, a reflection of what the need is out in industry to how many degrees are being being produced. Um, you, you look at uh, a lot of that cost. You look at how long it takes. You look at the success rates. The average bachelor degree now takes almost six years to complete. And, and that person's completing, instead of the 120 hours necessary for a bachelor degree, it's over 140. So basically an extra academic year at least that the average person is, is doing. So there's a lot of, a lot of waste. And, and it, besides just, you know, a place where the gospel has, has been um, uh, not, not welcomed, right. I, I right. guess. It's not eradicated from the, those campuses, but it's heavily under persecution. That's right. Um, and, and so we, we approach a lot of those paradigms in a different way. We, we go in about half the time, 28 months, start to finish for a full bachelor's degree. 28 um, months. Is that so full time that during the day kind of stuff or you're talking night, nighttime stuff? Uh, day or night okay. or online. And we basically don't take the summers off. So okay. we don't, we don't cut any corners. Um, do you, do you know of any industries besides academia where we take the summers off? <laughs> no, uh, I don't, I don't either. <laughs> and so we, we tell that to our students and they don't want to take the summers off because they know when they're in school, they're not earning. Right. The, they, they've recognized that I've got a family to build. And so I need this revenue coming into my home. That's why they come to us. Um, and so they want to, they don't want to take a lot of time. And uh, we've we've kept our cost very very low as a nonprofit university, a private nonprofit university. We've got this crazy idea that uh, the revenue that comes from our students' tuition really should pay for the expenses of education. And so there's nothing wrong with football teams, uh, but we don't have them. Uh, there's there's nothing wrong with great facilities. We have great facilities, but we don't have a lot of waste in our facilities. Everything's got a purpose. Uh, it's excellent, but everything's got a purpose. And, and so those, those paradigm shifts are a little bit different, uh, but the question was really about how do you bring faith into here? I, I wanted to talk about that part of the mission in order to give context for Because Hallmark University is not a Christian university. Um, right. We are not Hallmark Christian University. It, it is in our founding documents that we are founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And, and it is in our, our purpose statement that uh, our education is consistent with biblical principles as well. But we do not brand and market ourselves as uh, a Christian university. Our students come to us for that career outcome. Right. They come to us for that. Now, we've, uh, so I'm going to pause and just like change directions, pivot for a second. Because of that, we, we see industry as a customer uh, and our, our product is our graduates. Mm -hmm. And so any, any organization is going to ask our customer, what do you need? What are you looking for? Uh, what's your need? Uh, what do you really care about? And we ask them this question, are are skills most important or character? And we've asked hundreds of employers that. And, you know, hoping that we'd get, yeah, we can say a majority say character is more important. Well, it turns out it's not a majority. It's We haven't found a single employer that will say that skills is more important than character. And, and so this character thing has really become our vehicle for the gospel. And it, it was something that God put in our mission statement decades ago. Mm -hmm. We change individual lives by developing three things, superior skills, knowledge, and character. Pretty innocuous sounding mission statement until the Holy Spirit really started unpacking what character really could be. And so uh, for us, the character development, as a student comes in, yeah, I want that great career. And we tell them, look, character is more important than the skills you get. They just say, okay, great. If that's, if that's <laughs> what the employer wants, I'm going to develop this character thing, whatever that is. And it just so happens that at Hallmark University, our character program is 100% built on the love of Christ. First Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, not jealous, boastful, proud or rude. 
and you adapt those into professional and uh, in a, in a professional vocabulary. Uh, but we have a, a crosswalk where we take, you know, love is patient. That comes over here into being dependable. And what does that mean? Uh, being a servant, what does that really mean? And, and becoming a life that flows out. First John 4, 7, and this is, this is really where the Holy Spirit brought everything uh, into focus for us. It says, uh, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And, and here's the part. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows not and knows God. Mm-hmm. Now, not to go down any uh, doctrinal challenges here, but the way it's laid out there in sequence is not that you know God first and then you love, but actually that you can love in the process of learning to love, get to know God. Today, we're talking with Brent Fessler. He's the president of Hallmark University. Check him out online, hallmarkuniversity.edu. Brent, you mentioned that the areas of study, uh, just go through them again. You're, you're an aero, and uh, go ahead, I'll just let you tell yeah, me. Yeah, aerospace, IT and cyber, um, healthcare, nursing, and business. Okay. And when you say business, any specific focuses within the business environment? Yeah, you know, uh, healthcare management, um, but you know, with with big data, you know, we, we get, we're in this Google generation where everything's being recorded, everything is being stored, but then what do you do with that? How do you make an actionable, actionable decision with all this data? It's just a bunch of information sitting somewhere. So business analytics is a uh, quickly growing field, and it's something that not just your, your big, large organizations need, your small organizations need them as well. So yeah, uh, business leadership, uh, strategic leadership. So if somebody's interested in getting a degree, you said they can get it done in 28 months. They can do it. Are all your degrees of learning available online or just some of them available online? Some of them are available online. Uh, Some things like nursing and uh, being an aviation mechanic uh, or technician uh, just some things you have to do in person with hands yeah. on. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, so before we get back to the conversation about character, Jim, I just want to question okay. regarding that, because I think what you have a very unique niche that you're just, un- you're uncovering for us. And I want our listeners to hear that. And that's that you're talking about the industries where there's high growth mm-hmm. and, and along with that probably comes earning potential. That's right. And so the, People coming to you are looking specifically for some of those things. They really are. You know, I think I think we see ourselves as an expert, not in a prideful way, but in a way that that our students need us to be. You know, you wouldn't walk into a doctor's office and say, you know, my my knee is hurting, and the doctor would say, okay, well, what do you want to do about it? Right. right? So <laughs> so the the doctor is going to help you diagnose it and then give a prescription, mm-hmm. right? And and something as big as higher education, we expect for our students, our our young people. To to be able to self prescribe their own path to get to this mm. uh, to get to this place and and I think we let them down when when we just let them choose their own ad- adventure uh, that sounds like we're I'm a control freak uh, we no but we a lot s- of students go get a four year degree in yeah. some sort of subject matter that they can't possibly get a job in that's right. I mean, it, that's really the the bottom line, and they and they've come away with one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of the debt, or a hundred thousand dollars of the debt, and they can't get a job. Yeah, um, so that and and often we have we have students with bachelor degrees already who come to us because uh, I can't okay. find I can't find a job, sure. I can't find a career, and so we do a, a little bit of rework uh, there with them. So. so, do you find that you have students that are are mostly coming right out of high school, or do you have some that have have tried to work and they're finding that they need to get some good education to go down a specific sure. career plan. So we, yeah. we have a, a really diverse student population. Okay. Um, we have the kids coming straight out of high school. Mm-hmm. 
but we also have veterans. And so it's really neat being in the classroom, sitting across the aisle, maybe somebody who was shot in Afghanistan, you know, six months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other side of the aisle, maybe a single mom. Mm-hmm. And you got an 18-year-old in there. So there, there's a, a really great strength that comes from having uh, that type of student population, the experience that you get to learn from. I, I sort of went off to college, and it's nothing but 18-year-olds uh, living in a vacuum, in that 18-year-old vacuum. Mm-hmm. You know, So living yeah. with them in the dorm, living with them in the classroom, and then the faculty who are in their bubble right. as well. And we wonder you know, why uh, Barna shows us how many uh, of a, um, a, a Christian young person goes off to college, how many of those lose their faith when they're at college because they go off into this, into this vacuum. Right, yeah. right. Well, thank you for sharing that because I just think it will be intriguing to our, our listeners. I know a lot of, especially you hit on the single moms, where they've come to a, a crisis point in their life and they've yeah. said, I need to do something to make um, a, a better income and how am I going to do that? And so we've even, you know, we've even had a, uh, a, a couple of students come out of the adult entertainment industry. Hmm. And, and when you think about trying to reach somebody who's making six figures, but they really don't have any marketable skills besides right. what they've sold their body right. for. How do you, how do you then, you know, bring somebody that they're going to be, I, I go from making six figures into, you know, making 10 bucks an hour or or something like that. So there's, there's just a a really large need in in the San Antonio market. uh, Nearly a fourth of the population here have some college, but no college degree. Oh, wow. So there's, there's a lot of adults. There's a lot of kids coming straight out of school that, that really have been let down Mm -hmm. by, by higher education. So let's talk about the fact that you said you're not just teaching kids great skills, but you're also, you, you had three points that Hallmark University was going to, I mean, your core values, things that you're, you're going to give them superior skills, uh-huh. knowledge, and superior character. knowledge and character. That's right. Okay. So, so we're um, in the Christian faith, we're a three part being or a Trinity, uh, spirit, <laughs> soul, and body. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. And so usually in, in higher ed, so skills would be that interface with the outside world. That's our body knowledge being what we have contained in our noggin. Right, that's in, in our, our soul. Um, but if, if you only focus on building those things, it's like putting a facade onto something that doesn't have a foundation or structure. And in higher ed, when you have a skills gap or knowledge gap walking through the door, well, we, they own that, right? We're, we're going to develop these skills or develop this knowledge. But if there's a character gap, they often just throw their hands up and, and we don't know what to do with that, whatever this character gap is. But that's really the heart of the person. And so when we come in, whether it be workforce development into an underserved community or just with a young person, and all we do is focus on, on the surface, on the skills or on the knowledge, and don't address the, the heart of the person, then uh, it's, it's just being a poor builder. Well, but, you know, a lot of businesses say, I want people of character, but you can't teach character. Well, sure you can. Oh, you who can? Says, who says you can't? I, just, I know a lot of people who say you a can't. Lot of, a lot of people say He's just going to antagonize you so you talk about it. <laughs> well, because, because, I mean, that's, I mean it, in my mind, you can't teach character, but yet God can transform somebody, and yeah. that builds character. So how are you melding together, even though you're not te- it's not a Christian university, yet you're teaching character, and all truth comes from God. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you teach all that truth without kids going, Where's this stuff come from? Or sure. do they ask that question? They, they do start asking that question. You know, we never had a, a student come back and say, you know, you changed my life when I learned how to time that Magneto or when I learned how to configure that Microsoft Exchange <laughs> server. You know, they never say, wow, that was life-changing. You know, they, they appreciate it. The, the things that they come back and say were life-changing is when they really learn how to live their life for somebody else. And, and, and they recognize there's, there's this truth in here. I never learned how to do this. 
Okay, we're not born knowing how to live our life for somebody else. We're born very, very selfish. Mm-hmm. If you've ever had kids, you know they come out completely selfish mm-hmm. and completely worthless, to be honest. Right? They don't, they don't produce anything for anybody. All they do is take. They don't know how to feed themselves. The only thing they ever hand you is a pile of poo. <laughs> right, and, and 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 you get around some adults who have never grown out of that. All they do is take from you. Mm. Uh, uh, they never produce anything worthwhile, and all they ever hand you is just a a, a bunch of poo. Right. <laughs> uh, this is uh, hopefully you don't have to bleep me no, out on, on no. this, uh, this podcast. G rated. Right. Um, and, and so none of us are born that way. All of us have to have this thing developed in us that we label character, but it's really the love of Christ. And, and just because we're not born with it, though, doesn't mean that we're not built for it or built to resonate with it. Sure. Okay. So we're, we're, we're born for relationship, but it doesn't mean that we're good at it. All right? we're, we're born to respond to the love of Christ, but that doesn't mean that we're born ready to, to put it out. I mean, God built that for it as, as we grow and develop in that. What we found, though is that just like any 12-step process, you have to admit you have a problem first. And so it starts with awareness. We say this, hey, this character thing matters. And, and it starts to awaken, okay, whatever this character thing is. And then we start to unpack what it is. And, and the, the Cliff Notes version of what character is, is a life that flows out to others. It's a life that flows out to others. And, and that's the basis for integrity. It's the basis for being a servant. It's the basis for being a, a steward. Or, and, and put yourself in a business leadership position. Do you want people on your team who are going to be taking as much as possible and giving as little as possible? Mm-hmm. Or do you want people on your team who are giving as much as possible? It's your Josephs, right? It's sure. your, your Josephs and your Daniels that come in. Things just seem to go well. But things don't seem to just go well around people who are trying to see how much they can take. Right. You want to get an ROI in your people, yeah. even if it's a character ROI. You want some. You want payback because you're investing a lot of dollars in those people. Yeah. We're talking with Brent Fessler today. He's the president of Hallmark University. Check him out online. Maybe you want to be sending your student there. Maybe you want to go there. Come here to San Antonio, Texas, hallmarkuniversity.edu. Why don't we, we just got a few minutes left in this segment. Martha, you look like you had a question. Well, I did. I just was curious then. So how do you play that out in the classroom? How mm-hmm. is in the nursing program, which I think is probably one of the easier places to, you know, because they're already caring and loving people or they wouldn't be becoming nurses. But <laughs> in my opinion, but, um, you know, right? how, how is character being taught in the classroom in right. some of the different exercises? So that, that is a, uh, an ever-growing process. Uh, it starts with a, a five-hour boot camp. Uh, at orientation where our students it's all kind of one directional where we are conveying information and describing uh, what character we've we've chosen to use seven traits Um, that's there's nothing sacred about those seven traits except that we can draw them back all the way to first Corinthians 13 we believe love never fails Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's integrity it's dependability We, we felt like as we developed that framework it gave us a much clearer structure to then now start educating. You can start putting outcomes on something like being dependable. Um, you can start putting outcomes on, on service uh, and even stewardship. So you can develop a whole curriculum about it. Um, so it starts with that, and then we start integrating it throughout our, our degree programs. And so when you're in an uh, English composition class or you're in an IT class, we start asking them these questions and, and asking them to roll in character with the things that they are, are learning in class. Hmm. And so what does integrity have to do with cybersecurity and, and things like that? Why, why, why do you need to be dependable? Why do you need to follow through with what you say 
you're, you're going to do besides just being like Christ. Well, people people need to depend on you. That's uh, employers say integrity is the number one trait that they care about, and then being dependable is number two. Mm. And so you know, think about God. I mean, in in Him is truth. There's there's no no darkness at all, and and He never fails. And so integrity and dependability, those are God's characteristics. They're not man's. We do not come out right. with integrity. I mean, we we all start lying if we can, and if we can get away with it. Make it sound like you have kids. I have four kids. I know. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> you do not have to teach your kids how to sin. There is no question about that. We're talking today with Brent Fessler. He's the president of Hallmark University. You can check them out online, hallmarkuniversity.edu. Maybe even looking for a specific area of study where you wanted to actually go to a private university where you could get a great education, where you have a 93% chance of getting a job right out of your graduating and 93 doesn't sound like that's not a hundred percent, but that's because the other 7% didn't respond to the survey. Brent <laughs> Fessler, talk about Hallmark university. What are the areas of study that you guys like to focus on? Yeah. Aerospace, it and cyber, uh, healthcare, nursing and business. All right. So let's talk about your role. You're working with a lot of millennials. Yeah. You're working with the next generation of leaders. How are you preparing this next generation to really be ready for what's out there? The real sure. world. Well, so where where I think higher ed has really um, gone down a, a not great path is is trying to say that whatever is you're born with is what you're born with, and it's good, and and that's that's a new idea. Uh, the old idea is is you you may be born one way. Uh, and like we talked about earlier, uh, every kid's born ready to lie, ready to be selfish, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that we need to stay that way. And I, and I think that's really uh, a, a, a mistruth that, that is, is, is out there that whatever you're born with, you should stay that way. Um, it, it, it means that there's not a right or wrong. It means that you can just kind of go your own path, that there isn't a true north. There's not a north star. There's not um, one way. And, and things like that. And, and so I think one of, one of our approaches with our students is, you know, we, even though we're not born that way, we are born to resonate with relationship. And, and when, when we receive love, something goes off in every human. We're just wired up that way. And so we recognize that as a, as a, an organization, as a, uh, a nonprofit company, that we don't have to tell the gospel, but we have to show the gospel. And when we show the gospel by, by emanating the character and service and, and things ourselves, that our students, whether they know Christ or not, they're wired up to respond to that love. They're wired up to respond to, to that, that life. Somebody investing give, in that. Give us an example. I mean, it, it's great to hear that in theory, but show us how... Tell us how showing the gospel has caused students to go, hey, where's this stuff coming from? I want a piece of this action. Sure. Um, well, well they, they feel it. And when we challenge them to, uh, so, so they'll feel it all the way through admissions. When we sit down with somebody at admissions, we're not trying to shove them into uh, just something that's available. We're, we're asking them uh, a little bit more about what they're built for. Why do you, why do you want to be in nursing? Like, well, have you ever seen blood before? Well, let's go take a look in, you know, in the lab. And they're like, oh, you know <laughs> what? And, you know, maybe that isn't for me. Um, and, and so just showing that care. Uh, when, a, when a student's coming to us with a lot of student debt already, and they're going to graduate with a program that's not going to support the debt that they're going to graduate, we, we'll actually say, no, we're not going to start this training together. And, and as weird as that sounds, 
um, for that individual, like, wow, you know, they, they, they'll tell us, I know you, in, in, in rejecting me, you know, per se, and right. saying I, I shouldn't come, I actually felt loved because it's not because uh, you, you clearly didn't want to just take my money. You had my best interest at heart. And so having a culture that, that truly invests in people uh, rather than just a, a business, how much revenue can we get from a person? It starts resonating with them. But we challenge them, uh, our students, to, um, in, in certain ways, you know, through service opportunities, to getting out to serve. Um, how, what does it mean to serve your employer? Try it out. You know, uh, be independent. Show up. Um, those things start resonating with the individual, and they start saying, there's some truth here. And then we have... Um, uh, my, my friend Mike Shero, which we heard earlier in the broadcast, he shared this concept with me uh, years ago called IMAP. It's, it's out of uh, Reggie Campbell's uh, book about my father's business, uh, which I, I think you're familiar with. I as am well. familiar with it. We've, we've talked about it on the air before. And, and you know, that, that whole model, the IMAP model, where it, it, it's, it's liberating in, in that I, I think the way I grew up, the only thing that mattered was getting somebody saved. But it, it, that... That, that point where they accept Christ into their heart. And like, that's the only thing that matters. You don't care about what happens before, what happens after. The IMAP model gives you this whole spectrum to work with. And, and as a, uh, where on the far left, you have somebody who completely hates God, you know, totally walks away from God. And on the far right, it's, it's your, your Enoch who just walks with God, <laughs> right? right? Or, or your, your brother Lawrence, right? Practicing the presence. But you've got somebody everywhere in between. And recognizing that, you know, it's actually the Holy Spirit's job to actually bring somebody to that point where they receive Christ into their heart. Our job is actually to try to influence them and move them, just just move them down the spectrum. Expose them to the truth. Expose them to it. That's right. Um, And so it really released a lot of pressure uh, from us. And and so we uh, have strategies in place. Uh, One thing that our our Board of Trustees said, uh, they put an official uh, institutional goal to provide spiritual growth opportunities, basically provide opportunities to move people down uh, that spectrum to walking with God, wherever they are, try to get them to move. You don't have to get them all the way over here to being a brother Lawrence, but move them some distance. Somebody else will pick it up after it's our job to move them there. And so we've developed these strategies and initiatives that, that, okay, what if somebody's over here where they hate God? Uh, what if somebody's over here, they've already accepted uh, Christ, but they need to grow in discipleship. And so we have initiatives in place for really that whole spectrum that help bring uh, our students uh, and our staff, for that matter, from, from mm-hmm. left to right. And as they go through those things, um, that they, that's when they say, wow, my life changed. Excellent. Well, I hope that our listeners have been intrigued by listening. We're talking with Brent Fessler, and he is the president at Hallmark University. And if this um, is of interest to you and you want to learn more about it, you can just go to hallmarkuniversity.edu. And, you know, it seems like I think that I know that God gifted you and prepared you as an engineer for this very purpose, because yeah. you have spent a lot of time really being strategic about the pro- of what you're taking the university mm-hmm. students through and your staff, as you said. And um, I think that's just great for people to see that, you know, you didn't know where that was going to end up, but um, God has wired you for such a time as now. And I think that's a real encouragement. It's the level of intentionality. I, mm-hmm. I like that. How has, you're a member of a C12 group. That's right. How has being a member of C12 helped you be a great president? Well, you know, once a month for a full day, we, we sit together, I mean, my board, high trust environment, uh, but the, that board 
those those group of uh, business leaders they're they're not just trying to make more profit um, the the thing that c12 really comes from a place of that profit actually has a purpose and it, and it has this kingdom eternal purpose and and when you think about what matters you know money money doesn't matter for eternity we're we're born broke and we're going to die broke <laughs> and what does matter though is is god and and people those are the two eternal things that we can really invest our businesses in and and so having a group of people that are we, we talk about pricing strategies we talk about business uh, management and accounting and, and things like that but it's all in the context of how does that then further the kingdom and and what are the other things that we're doing that bring all, all of our areas of influence our our staff our customers our vendors what what is your strategy for your vendors that helps move them closer to christ what is your strategy for your staff or your customers that that is moving them closer to Christ. It doesn't have to be anything earth shattering, but what is it? And and then that that uh, area of accountability, we we each of us we submit what what we're going to do, and here's a strategy that we're going to do. And then if we don't do that, it's a little bit shameful to say I was going to do something and I didn't. And so being in that environment where those uh, men and women are, are really purposing their businesses to, to further the kingdom in a, in a great way. It's that's, that's C12 has been hugely impactful. You run an organization. How many students does Hallmark university have right now? We have about 800 students right now. All right. And how many staff people? Uh, 140, 150. All right. So you've got a fairly large organization, 140 staff people, 800 students. How do you protect really quick? How are you protecting your marriage from the organization? Yeah. Um, well, uh, C12 is another, C12 is a very holistic, uh, organization. They ask those questions. In fact, they ask my wife that question once a year. When I give my core business presentation once a year, uh, my board brings my wife in and they ask her, how is, uh, your marriage? Is this business getting in the place? Is, is it still God family business or is it business God family? Or, you know, <laughs> are, are you, are you getting pushed down the totem pole? And so that, that, uh, accountability is really powerful there. Um, my, my marriage is definitely stronger, uh, through the relationship and accountability that I have at C12. If you want to just talk to the audience really quick of, of the perfect, the ideal student for Hallmark University, 20 seconds or less. <laughs> the ideal student uh, is somebody who recognizes that they need change in their life, that they, that they want to get somewhere, uh, but they don't have to know how, how to get there. Um, we'll ask them the questions about uh, what it is that, that God placed in them. And, and help them figure out if they are a nerd and want to go into IT and cyber or if they're a compassionate person and want to go into nursing and mm -hmm. like seeing blood, those types of things. So, um, you know, it's it's a very diverse person. Or got attention to detail and want to take airplanes apart and put them back together again. Yeah. Brent Fessler, president of Hallmark University. Thanks for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you. Check out Brent and his university, hallmarkuniversity.edu, hallmarkuniversity.edu. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace is our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.